Following a loss to the Minnesota Vikings, the Packers are looking for improvement. And might it include free agent running back C.J. Spiller? We'll ask Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com about Spiller and a whole lot more. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We're still rehashing a loss to the Minnesota Vikings. To do that and talk about some other topics, we have a guest joining us on the phone today. Expert interview. We have Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com who joins us every Wednesday on the show. Nathan, how you doing today? Good morning. I'm doing well. How about you? Very good. Glad you could join us as usual. So, all right, Nathan, let's get this out of the way. With the Packers bringing in C.J. Spiller for a tryout, do you still think he has what made him so special earlier in his career? I don't think he quite has what made him special early in his career. I think if he did, he'd be on a roster by this point. But I do think he can still be an effective receiver out of the backfield. Uh, Last year, he wasn't making as many guys miss after the catch as he usually did in previous years, but he was still being effective at getting first downs, getting yards. Uh, His yards per catch average was the second highest of his career last year. So um, on top of that, I do think he can still probably be a decent returner. Did a little bit of that last year, did more of that early in his career, but anytime he's done it, he's been um, maybe not a great returner, but still an above-average one. Uh, Outside of that, uh, Packers backs have typically been really good at pass blocking in recent years, and that's something Spiller hasn't been great at. So um, if they do sign Spiller and he does become part of the offense, I do think that would be a concern. And then also his running has been on the decline in recent years. So I think if they did sign him and did use him on offense, it would be mainly as a receiver out of the backfield, almost always running pass routes. So if he does sign, I don't think he's anyone to get super excited about but I do think he's probably capable of being on a 53-man roster. So. As a big name, it's definitely piqued the interest of the fan base out there at the very least, so we'll see what happens there. But Nathan, going back to this Vikings game, I think there's been a lot of focus on Aaron Rodgers, and I know pro football focus had it as his worst game ever. Uh, can you go into detail about the poor parts of his game, including his passing under pressure? Sure. Um, the big one of the big things that influenced the poor grade in this game is a lot of plays that were either turnovers or uh, turnover potentially plays. Uh, they were plays where he had there were three fumbles, and once a player fumbles the ball, it's a lot of luck who recovers it. So in our grades, uh, we grade it the same way regardless of if the offense recovers it or the defense does. But having three fumbles on him is a lot, and then throwing the ball as well. He had the one interception, and then Terrence Newman also had a pass that 
uh, should have been intercepted. So, again, we grade based on the quality of throw, regardless of if a receiver catches it or drops it. So it's the same case here where it's the same regardless of if the defender catches it or not when the defender should catch it. Um, he had another two passes that were inaccurate that led to pass defenses and then just a lot of overthrows in this game as well, a lot more than we typically see out of Rodgers. Uh, his play under pressure was especially poor in this one. Typically we see better. But when he was under pressure, he was sacked more than usual and then also just wasn't able to hit receivers when under pressure. So that didn't have as big of impact on his grade as his turnovers, but definitely not something we're used to seeing. Um, I know when I mentioned on Twitter that this was probably Rogers' worst game, which in our grades it turned out being several people brought up the Denver game last year and the Buffalo game the year before that. But in those games, Rogers, while he didn't do as much to help the team potentially win in those games, he also didn't do nearly as much to hurt his team in, this, in those games. Rodgers had a lot more plays that were close to turnovers against the Vikings compared to those two games. And while Rodgers did have more positive throws in the Vikings game than he did in the other game, it's just a lot more inaccurate throws. Uh, right now we have a stat adjusted completion percentage, which is completion percentage, which adjusts for drops, throwaways, batted passes, and spikes. Um, all plays where the quarterback doesn't really control if the pass is going to be complete or not. And right now, Rodgers is last in the category in the NFL. So um, it's due to those inaccurate passes and the turnover-worthy plays that got him such low grade. Well, thanks for the rationale, Nathan. Of course, just being Aaron Rodgers, his name uh, you know, comes with a lot of scrutiny from from the media, from the fans, from everybody. Uh, but I think you put it rather well uh, as to why uh, Pro Football Focus graded him low, at least in this past week's game. Um, you know, the guys catching the passes, how, how would you assess the play of the Packers receivers thus far? I think the receivers uh, have been basically what we would expect of them. They've been uh, slightly above average in general. Uh, Cobb and Nelson have been playing well when they've been thrown at. Uh, Adams not so much while well, having the fumble and then the offensive pass interference in the last game. And Adams hasn't had enough good to help make up for those. Uh, just a couple first downs in the touchdown so far. Uh, Nelson and Cobb, they probably haven't been putting up the great stats that you would expect from them. But given the number of targets they've seen, the number of accurate throws that have been thrown their way, I think they've done basically as much as you would expect them to do given those number of passes. Uh, tight ends as well, not somewhat not players that have gotten hugely involved, but again, they've been doing okay for the number of targets they've been given. Um, something that I did notice with the Packers is they are one of two teams where the receivers have not dropped a pass yet, so that's a good sign for how things have been going so far with them, but I don't think they're part of the problem with the slow offense so far this year. Interesting. Uh, uh, the silver lining with the no-drop passes, good to hear. Uh, on the defensive side of the football, how did Demarius Randall go from the highest-rated cornerback in Week 1 to the lowest-rated in Week 2? Yeah, I'm not sure what was wrong with him exactly in the game, but I just know there was a huge difference in his play from one week to another. A Week 1 only allowed two catches for 16 yards, had a pass defense, where last week it was seven catches allowed for 161 yards and one touchdown. And this was kind of something we saw last year a bit, too, where 
when he was at his best, he was playing like a top-tier shutdown cornerback. But then at his worst, he was a player that you'd rather see on the bench. So I think this is something where Randall's still going through some growing pains. And hopefully once he reaches his peak, he's consistently playing those good games without these kind of bad ones. But we'll see if he's able to grow into that kind of top-tier cornerback. Yeah, I know last week we talked about Quentin Rollins having a bad game, and he really bounced back. So hopefully Demarius Randall can do the same. We're talking to Nathan Yonke at ProFootballFocus.com here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Nathan, how did Mike Daniels look against the Vikings? I, I know he looked good, but how good was it, I guess? Yeah, it was a pretty good game out of him, uh, especially in the run game. He had three run stops, pass rusher. He had one sack, two hits, two hurries. So a lot of really good plays that he was able to make throughout the game. Uh, there were also some plays that brought down his grade a little bit. He did have one missed tackle, and then the roughing, the passer penalty doesn't help. Um, there were a couple other plays, both good and bad, where he was either successfully blocked by the offense or he beat the defender and disrupted the run even though he didn't make the tackle. Uh, those plays ended up evening themselves out for the most part. But then the plays against the run, the plays against the pass, the ones that show up on the stack, she definitely outweighed the bad of the missed tackle and the penalty. So um, it wasn't one of the best games we've seen out of the defensive linemen, but it's definitely a good game out of Daniels and the best we've seen in a little while out of him. Yeah, definitely a good game from him. And Nathan, I want to go into a little bit about the injuries the Packers are dealing with. It appears Latroy Guyon is going to be out at least a little while with a sprained MCL. What will the Packers be missing based on his performance the first two games? Uh, he's had a really strong start to the season so far, uh, most or almost all against the run. Uh, he's had three tackles for losses so far, another two for no gain. A few more plays where he was able to beat an offensive lineman and force the running back to cut somewhere he didn't want to go. So um, outside of that, there's been plenty of plays where he's not involved in the run game, but those are all plays where he wasn't, based on everything else that was happening in the run, he wasn't expected to be involved. So he really hasn't done anything bad against the run so far this year, which is uh, good to see. And uh, Kenny Clark, who I believe was taking his snaps at nose tackle, I don't think Clark's able to replicate that yet. Um, on the other hand, as a pass rusher, uh, he hasn't provided any sort of pressure this year. So if there's any bright side to this, the Packers are only losing stuff against the run. They aren't losing anything in the pass rush game with his loss. Um, uh, meanwhile, Morgan Burnett is also dealing with a hamstring injury. How has he looked the first two weeks? Uh, he's been average to slightly above average so far this year. Uh, in the run game, he's been very good. No highlight-worthy plays yet, but just a lot of runs where, uh, one, he's been able to make a tackle for a loss, another for no gain, another uh, couple ones for a short gain. No missed tackles yet in the run game, so just a lot of good plays throughout the two games so far against the run. In coverage, it hasn't been quite as good so far. Uh, two penalties, a defensive holding, and pass interference. Also has a missed tackle, two catches a lot for first down, another one for a touchdown. So um, he does have a couple nice plays to help make up for it, a tackle for a loss on fourth down on a screen, a sack in there, a forced incompletion, but not quite enough good to make up for those bad plays yet in the past game. So uh, not a great start to the season for him, but definitely not a bad one either. 
I admit, I was mildly surprised to say average to above average. I kind of thought Morgan Burnett's been struggling, but maybe I'm placing a little bit too much emphasis on just the pass coverage part of his game. Uh, but finally here, Nathan, before we let you go, can you give us a little preview of the Lions? And I know I'm particularly interested in finding out how they've tried to replace Calvin Johnson. Yeah, so they added Marvin Jones to help fill that void and be one of their deeper pass threats. They also added Anquan Bolden, which gives them another short passing option. Uh, Stafford has had a really good start to the year, but despite having three wide receivers, who are decently well-known. They've been dropping a lot of passes and not giving Stafford any favors yet. Uh, the Lions have a really young offensive line who have been doing pretty well against uh, in run blocking so far this year. I know Amir Abdullah just landed on injured reserve early this morning, so uh, that'll hurt the Lions' run game a little bit, but the offensive line should still be able to help uh, whoever is getting the carries in Detroit now. So it'll be interesting to see just how well Detroit's offensive line is doing against the Packers' run defense, who has been doing very good. So that'll be an interesting test for both teams. Uh, the Lions' defense has a couple of defensive players who in the past have played really well, haven't done quite as well to start this year. So this might be the kind of defense that the Packers need to face as a rebound to last game. So um, it'll definitely be an interesting game, both sides of the ball, seeing uh, who's able to get the best of the other in all of these matchups. Should be a fun one. The Packers home and over on Sunday. Nathan, we'll uh, recap the game with you next week. And uh, thanks for joining us once again this morning. Sounds good. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning, as he does every week during the season. So great to get his analysis uh, glad to have him join us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. Packers news of the day. All right. So um, the C.J. Spiller news, I believe this was first reported by Adam Kaplan of ESPN.com, if I'm correct. And I'm sure others have, uh, you know, confirmed that news. Uh, I'll admit I haven't watched a ton of C.J. Spiller in the last couple of years. But I have to say, I, I certainly wouldn't be disappointed if the Packers gave him a shot. You, you know, we're we're basically talking about the 53rd player on the roster here. And uh, admittedly, I, I don't have high expectations for any player they bring in off the street. So if I end up being pleasantly surprised, all the better. Now, I know C.J. Spiller was an elite player in college. And I know he basically peaked in 2012, uh, but unfortunately his statistics have regressed since that point. And uh, I, I tried to before the show, and I'm failing you here, uh, to bring up some of his, some of his statistics. But basically, uh, to, to sum it up from what I remember, basically C.J. Spiller had his best season in 2012, and his average yards per carry have decreased every year since that time. 2013, 2014, 2015, all a decrease since that career high in, in 2012 when he was with the Buffalo Bills. Um, but what Spiller does offer is a change of pace from Lacey and Starks, who are both better between the tackles than anything. 
Spiller, meanwhile, adds an element of speed, even if he is slower than he was a few years ago. Uh, and as Nathan Yankee said, he also catches a fair amount of balls out of the backfield, and he's done that pretty consistently, even last year. Even if you think 2015 was his worst year of his career thus far, he still did a pretty good job catching balls out of the backfield. So I, I would certainly wouldn't complain if the Packers ended up signing him. And I, on the flip side, you know, if they end up passing as well, uh, I'm not going to complain with that either. Uh, so, I, hey, I, I'm, I advocate the signing, I guess, just from, you know, maybe there's more upside with the C.J. Spiller, at least in the short term, than maybe any other players out there. Um, where you're looking more long-term or things like that. But it is what it is. Uh, we'll see what the Packers do. And I really don't have, uh, you know, not going to get, you know, all up in a bind either way. Um, lost in the news that the Packers were bringing in Spiller, they also reportedly brought in linebacker Brandon Chubb for a tryout. And, you know, that that kind of makes sense from the standpoint that they only have three true inside linebackers on the 53-man roster. But that being said, they also have Carl Bradford on the practice squad, and I tend to think that he should be next in line if they're going to promote anybody at that position. But it's also just possible if they promote Bradford, they could simply be looking for a replacement on the practice squad, too. Um, so there's that small note, but I think that kind of leads us into a discussion of what the Packers will do with their open roster spot, which has been open since they released running back Jarrell Presley last week. You know, with, with Latroy Guyon out with an injury and Mike Pennell suspended, maybe Brian Price, the practice squad player, uh, rookie in the NFL, we saw him during the preseason. Perhaps he makes sense as a guy they bring up, at least in the short term, too, until Guyon gets healthy, until Pennell comes back from suspension. That could be a way they go. Uh, hey, uh, back weeks ago, back when, when Potros, Terrence Knighton, was released by the Patriots, I advocated the Packers signing him back then. I still do now. Uh, I think, boy, he's, he's a good, at the very least, you know, if, if we're looking at a short-term signing, and if we're looking at a run stuffer, I think he offers he offers that. Uh, as far as being a pass rusher, I'm not sure you're going to get that out of him. But, you know, I, I guess that that's just me. Because if the Packers weren't interested in him, you know, three weeks ago or whatever it was now, uh, I don't think they're any more interested now. Uh, albeit maybe the Latroy Guyon injury could change their mind. But... I'm not betting on it. Uh, but if there's one other spot where the Packers might consider adding somebody, it could be cornerback, but that probably depends on what's happening with a couple of the injured players. Uh, we know Sam Shields has the concussion, and to a lesser extent, there's Josh Hawkins, the rookie who's also been dealing with a hamstring issue. Uh, if Even if he could get healthy, it would certainly just give them a little bit more depth uh, so maybe it's wait and see at the cornerback position because, it, you know, if if both Shields and Hawkins are back, they're they're more than stacked depth-wise at the cornerback position. Uh, so maybe they 
it, you know, and, and maybe it says something that they didn't bring a cornerback in for a workout or a defensive lineman for that matter. Uh, kind of interesting that the places where they seem to have the least depth, at least in the short term, are not positions where they brought in guys for, for workouts or at, at least reported workouts. I suppose these are just things that are being reported by the media. Maybe the Packers are bringing in more players that we just haven't heard about for all we know, or they're in discussions with them on the phone. I don't know. Uh, these are things uh, I don't think anybody can know unless you know somebody within the organization leaks it, I suppose, or it's reported. Um but other than the tryout news, you know, there there hasn't been a lot of breaking news in the past two days since our last episode of Railbird Central. We're left to kind of rehash this loss to the Vikings. And but there is one kind of thing I wanted to, to add to that today. And, you know, I, I spoke my mind rather freely about Aaron Rodgers on the last episode. Um, but something I've seen in the past two days, especially on social media, is Aaron Rodgers in fundamentals. And, and I can see that. I can buy that. Rodgers seems to have a case of happy feet fleeing the pocket at the first sign of trouble. And not only that, he doesn't always step and throw and follow through like you teach a quarterback to do. He used to do that. But it seems as if he's increasingly got away from that. And maybe that's what you do when you're an elite quarterback in the NFL and you start to figure out, well, I can get away with more things than the average quarterback or the typical quarterback. Uh, so from that standpoint, maybe it's not a surprise. But, you know, it's difficult to say these things in a vacuum because that's where big plays frequently come, right? When Rodgers is outside the pocket, when he's making plays with the le his legs, when he's improvising on the run. But I, I just don't think you want to rely on those things as heavily as Aaron Rodgers has in recent weeks, in recent years, pretty much since, you know, the beginning of the 2015 season. Uh, you, you know, is kind of when I thought, this Packers offense has kind of taken a downturn. Uh, and it also seems for like the past year, when I evaluate Rodgers personally, like, like in week one last week, I took his rushing touchdown into account, which is fine. You know, the day Aaron Rodgers is no longer a rushing threat, you know he's on the downside of his career. But then a couple, but, but couple that, with the positive analysis of Rodgers so frequently, you know, drawing people off sides. You know, that's fine too. He does that better than anybody in NFL history. But here's what the pro where the problem is. I don't want to see Rodgers relying on these things. I want to see him play well in a game he doesn't draw anyone off sides. I want to see him play well in the week, he doesn't have a rushing touchdown. Uh, I want to see him play well in the framework of the offense. That's what I want to see a return to when he isn't relying on his legs or catching players running off the field to have a good game. I want to see him carving up a defense with his arm. And I think it's been a long time since we've seen that. 
That's what everybody wants to see from Aaron Rodgers here. And I think that's where a, a lot of the criticism is coming from. It, it's not that, you know, uh, I remember notably there was uh, um, the, the, the JS comments. I, I'm sorry if you're not a follower of social media, maybe you, you don't really understand this, but there's the, uh, the Twitter account, JS comments, I believe it is. That, that basically just takes comments made on the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel's website, frequently myopic comments uh, that are not fully thought, thought through. And that's what makes them so funny is it's just Packers fans or, I mean, it's Wisconsin sports fans in general, but Packers fans kind of thinking with, the, with their heart and not their head or, or just, you know, you know, there, there was... And, to, to make a long story short, the comment of, you know, there was a guy so mad that Aaron Rodgers was drawing players off sides that he was he was getting sick of it and he was, you know, claimed no longer going to support the Packers or watch them anymore or something stupid like that. And, you know, I, I get it in terms of the fact that I, I, I don't want Rodgers relying on that as much as we've seen him in the past year plus. It's not that he does it. You know, I think that that is an integral part of the game. And and maybe defenses, you know, you just got to be smarter. Maybe you can't substitute as much if you can't get guys on and off the field. And maybe that's another discussion for another day in which I really like what the college game does and the refs will pause if the offense makes a substitution they allow stop the game. The, the ref stands right over the football until the defense also has a chance to make their substitution. That makes sense to me. The NFL doesn't do that. But regardless, anyway, um, it, you know, I, I, I think I made my point by now. I, I just don't want to see Rodgers relying on that type of thing to have a good game. Start, start doing it. Impress me with your arm. Impress me carving up the defense. Impress me hitting a receiver in stride. You know, impress me with a deep one down the middle that's not just a jump ball. Impress me with the frame within the framework of the offense. That's what I want to see, and I think that's what the majority of Packers fans want to see. Uh, so there's your thoughts on that. And finally. The day ahead. All right. The Packers return to practice on Wednesday, uh, but the day kicks off with the Mike McCarthy pre-practice press conference. That'll be streamed live on Packers.com shortly if you're watching the live edition of the show. So go check that out if you were so inclined. The Packers also released their first injury report of the week Wednesday afternoon. And I think we're looking at the status of a couple players. Uh, I think we fully expect defensive lineman Latroy Guyon to be out this week uh, with the sprained MCL. Uh, but the status of a couple more players is more up in the air, let's say. Uh, those are cornerback Sam Shields, who has the concussion. And you're worried about that because the last time he had a concussion, he was out for like a month. Uh, there's linebacker Clay Matthews, who has an ankle injury, who played on and off this past game against the Minnesota Vikings and, in fact, was out of the game late 
you know, when the game was on the line in the fourth quarter and you're kind of wondering where he was, he was on the sidelines. And then there's safety Morgan Burnett, who's dealing with a hamstring injury, and he too uh, had to come out of the game at least temporarily against the Vikings this past week. So there's a lot of, you know, question marks on the defensive side of the football there. And how healthy is this team going to be heading into a big division game against the Detroit Lions um, this upcoming Sunday? Uh, especially from the, the, the notion that last year the Packers lost all of their division home games at Lambeau Field to the Lions, the Vikings, and the Bears. And uh, nobody wants to see, or no Packers fans wants to see, a repeat of that. So um, the more healthy they are, the better. And then you know, simply watching the status of the guys who have been injured, like linebacker Jay Ron Elliott and Chris Banjo. So we'll get an update on them later Wednesday afternoon. And from a media perspective, defensive lineman Kenny Clark will be a busy man on Wednesday evening. First, he has his weekly appearance on the Mike Heller Show, which is new this year, um, or Clark's appearance on it, at least, at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. And he'll follow that up being the guest on the Dayton Jones Show at 6 o'clock p.m. Central Time on 107.5 The Fan in Green Bay. You can also stream that online if you happen to live outside the area. And you know, with with Guyon being out, Clark is someone the Packers are going to be relying upon rather heavily this upcoming Sunday. So it's a really good time to hear from Kenny Clark to hear about uh, his development, see what he has thought of his first two games in the NFL where he started to get his feet wet. And I thought week one was just simply a learning experience. And week two, we started to see flashes out of him. And hopefully we start to see more consistency out of him going forward because he could definitely be on the field quite a bit as long as Latroy Guyon is out. And uh, the Packers will be relying on him and Mike Daniels rather heavily as they probably have to start getting Dean Lowry and Christian Ringo more involved to an extent. Uh, I don't know to how far they'll be heavily involved, but somebody's got to be out there this upcoming Sunday and uh, we'll see what changes they make on the defensive line. So hear from Kenny Clark Wednesday evening in multiple uh, media appearances, uh, if you're so inclined. But that'll do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us here today. Thanks to Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com for being our guest on the show. And... Um, That'll do it. Uh, Railbird Central, as usual, airs on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, which is the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later on the day. My call to action, as always, as usual, if you've not done so already, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It's the one small thing we ask. The show is free of charge, no subscription, no paywall. So if you could do us a solid, head to iTunes, search Cheesehead TV. It'll pop right up and um, give us that five-star rating and a brief little review. Uh, it helps get word out about the show because we think it's a service to Packers fans, and it's greatly appreciated from my perspective. So thanks much, folks. We'll see you later. Um, on behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kiruvu. I leave you today with a song called 
on the road by the string cheese incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. Go Pack Go.